Good evening and welcome to chapel on Tuesday night. We're glad to have you with us tonight. It's going to be a wonderful evening. And as we get started, I just want to share a little bit about uh, why we're doing the Harry W. Dickerson Lectures. This annual series of lectures established in 1976 is sponsored by the children of Reverend Harry Dickerson in honor of their father. Reverend Dickerson was an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene for 50 years. The purpose of this series is to emphasize the pulpit presentation of the doctrine of holiness by active evangelists. And we are so privileged to have Dr. Manley with us and uh, he will be here again tomorrow night. So if you're available tomorrow night, I know you'd love to come back. So Dr. Stephen Manley, welcome to chapel tonight. We look forward to hearing from God's word. Could we begin tonight by saying our theme together? Here am I, Lord, send me. And can we pray it tonight, but this time could we pray it out loud together as we bow? Here am I, Lord, send me. Get ready to worship. Let's pray together. Uh, may your word come alive to us. Living word, would you speak your written word? And in the interaction of the living word with the written word, as you energize and make your word alive, could we be in the middle of that and receive a revelation of all that you are? as revealed through your word. That end, we commit these moments together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 2 is the passage. We're looking at um, Acts chapter 2, verse 26 tonight. Uh, last night, some of you were here. We looked at verse 25. I'll give you a little review, and then we'll move right into verse 26. Verse 26 is a phenomenal passage. Anxious to get into it with you. Acts chapter 2 Verse 26, context really matters, really matters. Context really matters. Can't interpret the passage without the context. Context is verse 1 through 4, Pentecost event. Jesus died on a cross. He did not then wipe his hands and say, hey, that's all I wanted to do. Just wanted to forgive you of your sins so you could have a little peace. Hey, have some good times. Hey, be, be peaceful, although you probably will. But he said, that's not what I wanted to get done. He rose from the dead, died on a cross, rose from the dead, didn't wipe his hands and say, hey, that's all I wanted to get done, forgive you of your sins so you could have forgiveness of sins forever as I raised from the dead and gave you life. He didn't wipe his hands and say, that's all I wanted, although you probably will have happiness forever because of eternal life, we understand. But that's not what he was after. He died on a cross, rose from the day, grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. Didn't wipe his hands and say, that's all I wanted to get done. Forgive you of your sins so you can have peace forever. And then I was going to sit on the throne and boss you around forever. Although I probably will. But that's not what the deal is. He died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father for this right here. Pentecost. So he could get in you. What I want you to do is look at this cross, resurrection, ascension, outpouring of the Spirit as one big deal. One massive action. 
one overwhelming event. God moving in your behalf. And the climax of the event is he wants to be in you. Intimacy. He wants to source you. He wants to get at the depth of your inner heart. He wants to be in you. Jesus said to his disciples before he left, I'm in my Father. I'm in you and you're in me. Man, that's tight. That's really tight. That's really tight. That's intimacy. It's oneness. It's oneness. You have that, miss that, you've missed Christianity because Christianity is Christ in you, which is Pentecost. This is the new covenant. See, there isn't you got your basic program of salvation and then you got this Pentecost, which is kind of a advanced for advanced students. Most of us are just normal in the basic plan. That's not it. Hey, if you're, not in, if you're not into Pentecost, if Pentecost isn't into you, if Christ doesn't dwell in you, you're not Christian. There aren't any Christians except Pentecostal Christians. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Try to get myself under control here. Now, when Peter said this, he stood up, Peter stood up to explain this. You remember, there were 120 that had just received this Pentecost event, and three to 5,000 Jews were hanging around watching this thing, saying, what on earth is going on? In verse 12, the actual question is, what could this mean to be? So Peter was moved upon by the Holy Spirit in verse 14, stood to his feet and began to address the issue. He did it in the form of a sermon. Gave his text, of course, in verse 17 down through 21, quotation from Joel chapter 2. And then he moved into the body of his sermon. Now the very uh, opening statement of the body of his sermon is verse 22, 23, and 24, which is really one sentence. And it basically says, the explanation for Pentecost is Jesus. If you want to know what a guy looks like when he's filled with the Spirit, looks like Jesus. If you want to know how a guy acts when he's filled with the Spirit, acts like Jesus. If you want to know the attitude a fella has when he's filled with the Spirit, attitude of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is, and God proved Pentecost in the man called Jesus. Jesus was a prototype. Prototype? Make the first one to see if it works. Whoa, did it work. <laughs> And since it worked so well, I'm going to do it again. 120 got in on it. And Peter says, what was going on in Jesus, the sourcing of the Spirit of God that caused Jesus to be Jesus, is now working in 120. And oh, you can have it too. Now he said, I understand you probably didn't get that, so I'm going to call on Jesus to give his own testimony. And he moves into this verse 25 through 28, which is a messianic psalm. It's awesome. Now, David wrote it, we understand that, but the Holy Spirit was inspiring, so this goes way beyond David. So what you've got going on here is Jesus is, it's like Jesus is actually speaking these words himself, like this is his testimony. And Peter's relating all of this to Pentecost. So get the procedure. Hey, 120 have just received Pentecost. The Spirit has come to indwell them. They're saying, what on earth does this mean? Peter stands up and says, I'll tell you what it means. It means Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the explanation. In fact, he says, he, Jesus was sourced by the Father. So Jesus was sourced in his life by the Father, verse 22, in his death by the Father, verse 23, and in his resurrection by the Father, verse 24. Now you can have that. You didn't get that? I'll let Jesus come and give his own testimony. The first statement of his testimony, verse 25. 
I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Over here, I foresaw the Lord. Over here, always before my face. This is the content of this. We analyzed this last night. Always before my face. Before face is literally in my eyeball. It's a focus thing. Jesus is literally saying, all the time I was sourced by the Father, guess what was going on during that whole time? The Father was in my eye. Oh, the Father got so close I couldn't see anything else. The Father became so intimate, he became the lens through which I viewed every bit of the circumstances of my life. He became the very focal point of my living. He became the heart of what I've been, he's the reference point for my life. He's the hub that makes my wheel turn. Whoa. He's in my eyeball. Focus. So all the time Jesus is being sourced by the Father, the Father's in his eye. Now is it that the Father's in his eye, therefore he's sourced by the Father? Or is it he's sourced by the Father, therefore the Father's in his eye? The answer is yes! <laughs> you can't have one without the other. You've lived out of yourself. Why? Because you were focused on yourself. It was all you had. You used your own mental powers. You used your own skills. You used your own talents. You used your own ability. You used your own wisdom. You used your own traditions. You used... Hey, it was, you were focused on yourself. You were in your own eye. You didn't have any resource. You did the best you could. Now we've walked into a whole new room. It's the new covenant. What's the new covenant all about? Oh... Christ has come to indwell. And the same spirit that lived in Jesus now lives in me. And I'm not sourced out of myself. I'm sourced out of him, which means, oh, he's in my eye. He's the focal point. Now, look at verse 26. Therefore, stop right there. It's a translation of two Greek words. In fact, it's really significant. These two individual Greek words are the, almost the same Greek words that are translated always in verse 25. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Always. See, he's, he's establishing the two Greek words are, this, are the idea of, of through or during and entire or whole or that time. So he's really pushing this idea that there's a consistently, this is not once in a while, this is not on my high moments, this is not, oh, during the Dickerson lectures. <laughs> this is all the time. When I mash my thumb in Garden of Gethsemane, nail me, son, and it'll still be going on. This is all the time. What's going on all the time? Oh, all the time I'm being sourced by the Father. The Father's in my eye. And all the time my Father's in my eye. Something else is going on consistently. What is it? Where is it? Oh, he answers that. Look at verse 26. Therefore my heart. You know the Hebrew concept of the heart? Leviticus 17, 11, Life is in the blood. So if life is in the blood, obviously the blood comes out of the heart, comes back to the heart. So the source, the spring, if you want to call it soul, you want to call it spirit, whatever you want to call it. It's, the, it's what produces you. It, what's, it's what makes you you. It's the real you, the, the pit, the internal of yourself. 
Jesus said, all the time I'm being sourced by the Father. Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye. Oh, something's going on in the depth of my inner being, in my heart. What's going on in his heart? Verse 26, therefore my heart rejoiced. Now, if you have the NIV, they switched the word glad and rejoiced. But since I'm preaching, I'll use my translation. <laughs> but it really doesn't matter because we want to go back to the Greek word that's translated rejoice. The actual Greek word that's translated rejoice there, my heart rejoiced. The actual Greek word is two words put together meaning well, mind. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have a well mind? <laughs> How you doing? My mind's well. Wouldn't it be great? Oh, I have a well mind. Oh, come on. In a society where we're pulling our hair out, in a society where we're blowing our brains out, in a society where we can't live without pills, in a society where I'm, ang I'm anxious, in a society of depression. Oh, my mind's well. A well mind. My heart rejoiced, well mind, deep internal contentment, deep internal settledness, deep internal security, deep settled, life is good, everything's okay, well mind. Now the word rejoice, this Greek word, is not the one Paul uses in Philippians. Rejoice again. That's not it. Altogether different concept. It's not the word Jesus used in the Beatitudes. The last Beatitude, persecution. When they persecute you, rejoice in big city. That's not the word. This is a different deal. This word is only used 14 times in the New Testament. 14 times. Six of those times, it's translated Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, as Merry Christmas, Mary. <laughs> I really didn't know what Mary meant, so I looked it up in the English dictionary. You know what it means? High-spirited fun! Whoa! <laughs> you know what he's saying? All the time I'm being, I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father. The Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye. Oh, the Father's in my heart. And we're having high-spirited fun. <sighs> now, here's what's so significant. Remember this word for rejoice. Only used 14 times in the whole New Testament. Every time. Get this. Every time, not most of the times, no, every time, not some of the time, every time this word is used, it always, in the context, has more than one. In other words, you can't do this word by yourself. What'd you do last night? I stayed home by myself and had high-spirited fun. <laughs> oh, you didn't do this word. You did not do this word. You can't do this by yourself. Now, I could really get carried away with this. You know what we do when we gather together on Sunday morning? Oh, we come a half hour early because we're coming together just to have high-spirited fun. Oh, 
Oh, that went over well. <laughs> That's the body process. The worship experience. But that's not what we're dealing with here. In this passage, you can't do this by yourself. In this passage, Jesus is testifying about what's going on between him and the Father in the intimacy. All the time, I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, the Father's in my eye, he says. And all the time the Father's in my eye, oh, the Father's in my heart. And we're just having this high-spirited fun. The things are just, oh, I have a well mind. It's just, whew. life is good. Life is good. High-spirited fun. It's interesting that two of the times that this word is used is in the prodigal son scene. You know the story so well. He's on his way home. Father kisses him on his pig scum nose, wraps his arm around him, ring on the finger, robe on the back. Oh, just in fact, oh, crank up the band, man. Crank up the band. Rock and roll. I mean, diet seven up, pour the, and the party hats are out and the, and the party whistles are blowing and whoa, it's on, man. The fatted calf is being eaten. And they, and it says, they made this word. Mary. <laughs> Elder brother, don't you love him? Well, you ought to. There's so many of him around. Been out in the field all day, milked the cows at 4 a.m. in the morning, covered with the dust of the field. Dad wouldn't even have a farm if it wasn't for him. He's so faithful. Coming in from the field, here's all this noise. What's going on? Oh, your pig brother's back. They threw a party. What? Father says, come on in, son. Join the Mary. Rejoice. High-spirited fun stuff. Got a party head for you. He says, you never even gave me a goat to make this word, Mary, with my friends. One other place this word is used, I want you to look at. It's here in Acts. You don't have to go far. It's Acts chapter 7. If you just turn there, if you would, just, just want you to see it. When I read this, it kicked me in the teeth, and I hate to be kicked alone, so I want to drag you in on it. <laughs> Stephen is preaching to the Hellenistic Jews, and he's rehearsing the history of Israel, and as he's gone down through the history of Israel, he's come to that peak point when they're Mount Sinai getting the law, Moses is at Mount Sinai and getting the law, and Israel is being established as a nation, and governmental structures being set up, and oh, it's really great. This is a high moment for Israel. And he says, do you know what was going on at that moment? Verse 41. Acts 7, look at this. Verse 41. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifices to the idols. Oh, you've studied it. 
Israel is just as a peak moment. Israel is, the law is coming. God is oh, establishing. Israel is the nation of nations. And, and the leader is there. And oh, this is their moment. And at that very moment, you know what they were doing? They melted down their golden jewelry, made this golden calf, offered sacrifices to a golden calf. What is wrong with them? Are they brain dead? They are a bunch of He says, if you think that was bad, and it was, if you think that was horrible, and it was, I'm going to top it. And he says, look at this, verse 41. They made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idols, and rejoiced, that's our word, made merry, contentment, deep internal, well-mind, in the works of their own hands. He says, if you think offering a sacrifice to an idol was bad, it was. But what tops that is, can you believe these people? The inside contentment, the settledness of their life, the inside rejoicing, the, the well-mindedness, the high-spirited fun of their lives, the moments when they said, ah, oh, life is good, was based upon the works of their own hands. Is there room to crawl under this pulpit? You know how many times I've done that? I haven't been bad. But you know what gave me the inside? that glorious sermon on a Sunday morning and the altars were lined and everybody said, whoa, whoa. I went away saying, but when I preached that rotten sermon on Sunday morning and everyone booed and hissed and didn't come back that Sunday night, I went, what was that all about? It was all about the works of my own hands. He wasn't my settledness. He wasn't my security. He wasn't what gave me internal con contentment. He wasn't. See, my, my circumstances, could I tell you, I'm sick of my circumstances determining how I, I'm sick of crowds like you determining how I feel inside. I'm tired of when the crowd's dead, I'm dead. When they're alive, I, I'm sick of that, man. Why should I let my circumstances, the crowd, why should I let the success or the apparent non-success of what I'm doing have to do anything with what's going on in, well, I got a bill, I can't pay, well, so what? Well, I got a flat tire too. Well, my toast was burned also, so what does that have to do with, well, I'm in a garden of Gethsemane. Well, they just nailed me. Jesus said, I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. 
All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, the Father's in my eye. And all the time the Father's in my eye. Oh, the Father's in my heart. And down deep in my heart we're having this high-spirited fun and this deep internal contentment and Garden of Gethsemane can't shake it and a cross can disturb it. You can't put ripples on my pond. <laughs> I gotta have that. That would produce a consistency in my life. That would change my life. That would win my kids. It might even produce a book of Acts. I mean, you know, bleeding back, flip by jail scene, hands in the stock midnight, and you're singing, that's not normal. <laughs> How can you produce that? All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, the Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye, the Father's in my heart. And we're having this high-spirited fun. Oh, look at the next phrase. He says, verse 26, And my tongue was glad. Tongue is awful. That's an awful translation. <laughs> Even if you just take this passage and go back to the Old Testament, this book of Psalms, and read it in the English, it isn't translated that way. It's translated glory, which has to do with countenance stuff. See, we built the tabernacle. Watch the, well, the glory came down, meaning presence and countenance. And so let's, let's take the idea of countenance. He says, and my countenance, the countenance of my face. We've been talking about face, you know. In the countenance of my face was glad, was glad. The Greek word there is much to leap. It's the Old Testament word for dancing. Woo! Oh, this is getting wild, isn't it? Oh, party hats, diet seven up, play the rock and roll. I mean, clear the table. What he's saying is, I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, Jesus says, the Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye, the Father's in my heart. And we're having this high-spirited fun. And we're just, I have a well mind and a deep, in fact, my face, he's dancing in my face. Wouldn't it be something to have a dancing face? Wow. I always thought it would really be neat. And if you go into the pastorate, I advise this. Wouldn't it be something to video film all of the services? Not the preaching. The congregation. And send, each, send a copy to each one so they can see themselves. <laughs> Oh, look at the next statement. Moreover, oh brother, in addition to, oh man, you've already stretched my rubber band to the breaking point. Good night, I'm having high-spirited fun. You've cleared the table, I'm dancing on the table now. Hey, my face is alive. What? How could there be any more? My flesh. Every Bible scholar agrees he's talking about his physical body. My flesh also will rest 
in hope. Rest is pitch your tent. Pack up, move everything down. I'm going to pack up and move everything down. It's a little misleading. Not in hope. I'm going, to I'm going to pitch my tent, pack up and move down to the Father in my eye. And that will give me hope. So here's what he's saying. Oh, I'm trying to explain Pentecost to you. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, the Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye. Oh, the Father's in my heart. We're having this high-spirited fun and all. Oh, hey, there's a settledness and a contentment and a wow that can't be shaken. And all the time the Father's in my heart. He's dancing in my face. In fact, my whole physical body is just responding to him. Did you know there's a close linkage between health, physical health, and stress? My advice is eliminate all stress. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm serious. Don't have stress. You weren't, your body wasn't made for it. Why are you going to get rid of stress? Oh, that's so easy. Stress is an ownership problem. I got a rental car and came out of here. You know how many times I checked the oil? Not once. <laughs> Why? It's not my car. <laughs> you know where I park? Up front, close as I can get. It's a little tight, but... I don't own it. What happens when you buy a new car? Oh, don't slam the door. Wipe your shoes off before you get in. We're going shopping. Where are you going? Walmart. Where are we going to park? Out there! <laughs> don't own a car. Then you won't have that problem. <laughs> See, it's an ownership problem. Now translate that over. Well, but wait a minute, it's my life! What if it wasn't? I thought you were supposed to be crucified with Christ. And that you don't live. And that you're not sourcing yourself anymore. Well, it's my problem! What if it wasn't? What if you didn't have any problems? What if you gave them all to him? Well, I got 15 teenagers! Get rid of them! <laughs> Quickly! This is a key. It's my ministry, my church. Yeah, see, I developed my skills, got my education. Well, God called me to preach. And I got my education, developed my skills, and, 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 and got prepared and, and went to Saturday classes on how to move my hands. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, I went, and then I got my church, and, and, and I had my budgets, and I had my Sunday school, and, and I had my pastor, and I had my board meetings, and I had my nervous breakdown, and I had... What if you didn't have a ministry? What if it wasn't yours? Be awful to have a ministry based upon the works of your own. It'll wear you out.
Jesus, I got to have this. I got to have an intimacy with you so tight and so one and so intimate and so close. that you are the source of my life. And in the name of Jesus, before this whole group, I apologize, I repent, and I ask, oh God, would you forgive this boy for every time it's been the work of my own hands that brought my internal contentment. And forgive me for every time I got all upset and I just lost my head and my temper and I said stuff and I got all riled and my life was all flustered because you weren't the source of my life. Break me, smash me. Strip me down. Take away everything I depend on except you. Until the only thing that's going on in the deep of my inward being, the only thing I rest on that gives me ah, a well mind, is you. You. Heads are bowed. A moment of response. I can't possibly be the only one in this place that's guilty of their inside contentment and settledness. Being dependent on the works of their own hands. You don't have to be like you are. I don't have to live that way anymore. Oh, the intimacy. Would you run with me? and leap into his arms. And have a dancing face. Alders open. Moments of response. I'm going to kneel. Our good chaplain will come and give us direction at the proper time and closure. Oh, Jesus, we're seeking you. We're seeking you. We're seeking you.
mainly called us tonight to a place of leaping into your arms. Sitting in your lap. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the times that we become self-sufficient or think that we can be. forgive us forever coming off the mountain and desiring to melt down the things that you've done and call them our own and make them things that we feel are our accomplishments in ministry. May tonight be a time that we can say afresh and anew, I am nothing without Jesus Christ. I cannot save myself. I can't accomplish the things to make the world smile at me. Lord, I pray that you would get us out of the way. Our agendas, our dreams Lord God I ask that you would help us as your people to run lighthearted and free we've said often around here that if anyone ought to have a happy face, a smiling face, a heart of joy, it ought to be a Christian. So forgive us for the times that we have misrepresented you. And God, would you do a new thing in us tonight? Not just tonight, but for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Lord God, that you source us not just when we have a difficulty in our lives, not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, but praise be to God that you are willing to source us every single day, every moment of our lives. God, help those that are seeking your face tonight in humility and transparency and honesty. Fill their hearts with joy. Your unspeakable joy. We celebrate you, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray together. And everyone said, Amen. You are dismissed. And Dr. Manley does have a table if you're interested in any of the resources that he has there.